Are you an EMDR therapist and parent who wants to make more money, have more time with your family, and get better results with your clients? Welcome to the Future Template Parent Podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Solo, LCSW, EMDR consultant, business coach, and mom of three kids under seven. Over the past couple of years, I realized that the grind of weekly sessions was taking a massive toll on my ability to be the kind of parent and therapist I wanted to be. So I dove headfirst into learning about intensives. I read all the books and articles and did all the trainings. Now I've transformed my schedule, my income, and my clinical outcomes by offering intensive EMDR in my practice. I want to teach you how to do this too, so you can build a practice you love and spend more quality time with your family. Tune in each week to learn how to manage what comes up for you when you're a parent who also does EMDR, how you can maximize your energy and reduce your overwhelm by offering EMDR intensives, and practical tools that will improve your clinical practice. Let's create the future template for your life as a parent and as a therapist. Of the Future Template Parent Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I am your host, Carolyn Solo, LCSW, EMDR therapist, and mom of three daughters. Today, as we head into the second part of October, I want to talk about burnout and more specifically about how EMDR intensives and offering them in your practice can help you beat therapist burnout. So let's get into it. First, I did just want to say a few words about the current crisis and the terror that both Palestinians and Israelis are currently suffering. It's horrifying to witness, and as deeply feeling people, as therapists, this can contribute to our burnout um, beyond the personal experiences that I'm about to share. Just living in this world, witnessing this trauma... Um, A lot of us have connections to people who are suffering or feel connected to that part of the world. Please care for yourselves. When you need to limit your consumption of violent and frightening media, this is all so terrifying and so heavy. But anyway, transitioning, I want to talk a bit about my specific burnout story. Well, I've had a few different burnout stories in my life, as many of us have. But I'm thinking of the most recent experience of burnout that I've had and how I'm starting to feel a little bit of that burnout creeping in again and what I'm doing about it. As you may know, if you've listened to episodes before this one, last October, October 2022, was a tough month for my family. September was really tough. My oldest child started kindergarten. She's now seven and first grade, and this year has been really good so far, Um, but she's always been a highly sensitive child. Literally from the first moments that I held her in my arms, she has always been incredibly sensitive, difficult to soothe, and she was just on a different developmental trajectory than what I was led to believe babies would, uh, would be on. Um, but you know, my husband and I were always very into, let's just let her develop as she is. We want her to be who she is. We are not jumping in to fix anything that doesn't necessarily need fixing. She had a ton of trouble with sleep. Um, she nursed for a really long time. She still struggles to fall asleep on her own, often comes to sleep with us in the middle of the night. 
Um, she still hasn't given up her pacifier. She needs a lot of soothing. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, she would have a lot of meltdowns, a lot of difficulty regulating herself. And I was seeing all this, I was starting to think about sensory processing issues, just being a highly sensitive kiddo. So even before she had started kindergarten, we had started working with a play therapist for her and an occupational therapist. Um, she was also refusing to potty train, just flat out refusing. We tried everything. We tried all the tricks and tools and the consultants, this, that, everything, you know, all the three days to potty training, nothing was budging. In fact, I felt like she was being traumatized and I really had to listen to my instincts that like she was not ready, but it was so hard. I had so much shame as a parent that, you know, my kid was going to go into kindergarten and was going to be in a diaper. I was panicking. I really felt like I was failing, that it was me to, you know, it was my job as the mom to figure this stuff out. And of course, as a therapist and a therapist who works with parents, I was having a hard time not bringing this into sessions with me in a lot of ways. It was hard for me not to be worried about it, not to be thinking about it all the time. She's still in kindergarten, or sorry, excuse me, first grade is not potty trained, and she now has an autism diagnosis. Um, in fact, she has a particular subtype of autism that some people call pathological demand avoidance, PDA. I prefer to call it persistence or pervasive demand avoidance instead of pathological. Um, that's another story. I, I probably will talk more about what that really looks like for her at another time. Um, but in any case, um, right, so we identified that last year. She now has an IEP. But all of this was going on in the first few months of kindergarten, and it was taking a huge toll on me. I was really struggling, and I realized I needed to be more present for her. Like, we were going to a lot of appointments. I needed to be available in case she needed to be picked up from school. I was doing a ton of communicating with the school, um, getting calls, phone calls a lot. Um, and it was really hard for my entire family. It was hard on her siblings, too, at the time. When she was in kindergarten, my middle was fully about to turn four. I was just starting preschool. I was having a really hard time with that. Um, was struggling with the fact that her older sister was getting a lot of attention because of all these challenges. We also have a third child, but at that point, she had just turned one. So, you know, just high needs, still a baby in a lot of ways. Um, and my middle kid in general has just struggled a lot with things being different for her older sister than they are for her. My middle child is much more neurotypical, so our expectations for her have to be different. But that's very hard when your big sister gets to have things done a certain way with her and those options are not available to you. Um, so that's been a challenge and it was very hard on my spouse. Um, he has an incredibly structured and very demanding job where he just cannot take time off. So of course, the bulk of dealing with all the medical appointments and everything happening at school was falling on me. I was having to cancel clients a lot. You know, weekly client responsibilities was feeling really overwhelming. I was having trouble sleeping. I was having really bad insomnia. I was feeling really panicky. Um, I was starting to feel like I was having panic attacks, which I hadn't had in 12 years. Um, so I knew things were not good. Uh, I was hitting burnout. And I was also dealing with a couple of really difficult client situations. Of course, I'm going to protect client confidentiality. 
but it was tough. There were some boundary violation issues, some major client safety issues, and I just did not have the bandwidth to be the therapist that I needed to be for those clients. Some of the boundary issues that were happening, I think, were showing up because I was so depleted and I wasn't showing up rested. I wasn't showing up having cared for myself. I didn't really have the energy to be really present with clients who were in a high state of need. So I just had to take a month off from seeing clients and I actually terminated with a couple of clients. Um, and I came back and during my month off, I decided I, this is it. I have to go all in on offering intensive. And I talked, I've talked about this in previous episodes, but I just knew that I had to stop seeing 20 plus weekly clients. I couldn't do it. And some of the difficult client situations were driving home to me that I just did not want to be the on-call crisis therapist anymore. I couldn't be that person. I did not have it in me to be ready to respond to the crisis of the week. My life was different now and the demands on me were different. We don't have to be the same kind of therapist throughout our lives. Like in the last episode, I talked about how it's not a reasonable expectation that we're available to someone for, you know, our entire career as their therapist. That's actually unboundaried, I think, and not necessarily um, healthy, (laughs) that that's the expectation. It's not healthy for us. It's not healthy for clients. Um, And I was realizing that because my life was changing and the demands on me were changing, I could not be that kind of therapist that I had been prior to becoming a mom. Um, I needed to be seeing fewer clients, but I needed to keep making private practice money. So intensives were the answer. So that's my backstory there. I burned out about a year ago and made some major shifts in my practice. I was already starting to offer intensives. I might have been playing with it for about six months, but I was like, this is it. I'm going all in now. And now it's October again, October 2023, and I'm noticing the creeping signs of burnout. My schedule is too full. My mind is racing. I'm saying yes to too many clients, to too many things. I've been starting to have some trouble sleeping. I'm not in the same place or anywhere close to it as I was last year, but I need to pay attention to the signs. And if you're in a place where you're noticing some signs of burnout or whenever that does happen to you, they aren't, they're not signs we can ignore. There are bodies telling us this is not okay. Something has to shift. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of failure. It's a sign of, okay, where I am right now, I need to change. Um, I think October is generally a tough month for me. I'm starting to realize this. September is really intense, the back-to-school month. I'm, like, running on adrenaline, getting everyone adjusted, back on schedule, making sure kids and teachers are getting along, making sure I'm communicating with everyone, getting all the supports in place. Um, I teach also, and so often I'm starting my own academic year. And by October, you know, I get I get through it, but by October, my mind and body are really, really feeling it. Um And also, cold and flu season is starting, and if you're a parent, you know what that means for the sicknesses and the, you know, germs and having to cancel, and, you know, it's a lot. Kids staying home from school, having to adjust schedules. Also, my second baby is an October baby, which is wonderful. I love October. I love the fall, and she just turned five. But my adjustment to being a mom of two was tough when she, you know, when she was born in October 2018. I was in the second year of my PhD program, um, and my husband was struggling with the adjustment to becoming a parent of two. Um, 
he actually went on antidepressants after she was born, which was a great choice. He's still on them. Like, yes, I so support that. And I'm very proud of him for taking that step. Um, I was trying to finish my coursework for the semester. I actually didn't. I took four weeks off from coursework and I actually finished all my classes on time for that semester. I did not have to carry anything over. But, you know, you can imagine what that took out of me to do that. My oldest was only two. And as I've been describing her before, she had a lot of challenges. Um, and so those challenges were still there. Uh, they were not gone. Um, she was experiencing a lot of issues with sleep still, waking up several times a night, still needed me to fall asleep with her. Um, she, I was tandem nursing because she nursed until she was three and a half, my oldest. So yeah, the body remembers. So yeah, I think October is just a hard month for me and I need to really be mindful of that. I think year in, year out. So now that I've told my story and a little bit, and maybe this, some of this rings a bell with you, resonates with you, how do we beat burnout? And why do I think intensives are part of the answer? Not the whole answer, but part of the answer. There are three major ways intensives help with burnout. Number one is better client outcomes. I've talked a lot about how, you know, an hour of an intensive is like two hours of a regular therapy session, right? And you're doing, you know, 12, 14 hours of therapy in the model that I use over the course of a few weeks. So in some ways, you know, I often say that my 14 hours of an intensive is like the equivalent of six months of weekly sessions. So, and I do think, I mean, I, I think I've talked about this in a lot of other episodes, but I think like you settle into your work in such a different way in an intensive that allows progress to really be more rapid. So clients see themselves feeling so much better in so much less time. And that is so validating as a therapist. And I think really key for reducing burnout. Um, and also, you know, that you have clients going off and talking about how great you are, which I think also helps with burnout. You're not, you know, your recruitment of new clients is sort of happening on its own. You know, the best marketing we can do is being a really good therapist. And in a lot of ways, offering intensives makes it easier to be a really good therapist. So that's one way that we improve client outcomes, I think. You know, it's so hard when you feel like week after week after week, your client is kind of stuck in the same place, really makes you doubt what you're doing. Even though, you know, just making this holding space for a client is so incredibly valuable, even if it can be hard to see tangible progress. But I do think tangible progress feels great as a clinician. So that's, that's one thing. Um, number two, another way that the intensive self with burnout is a more boundary clinical relationship, right? And I talked about this last week. It's not a relationship that goes on forever. There's a start and an end. You're not the on-call crisis therapist for someone. You work in a concentrated, discrete, and I mean discrete, C-R-E-T-E, um, not discrete, like, hidden, <laughs> um, focused way. And, and then you say, great, I'm glad we had this time together and be well and check in if you need to and have a good life. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm being a little silly, but I think you get the idea. Um, that frees us from that ongoing weekly burden of like this person is, you know, are we getting anywhere? I still see them. And, you know, so the, the boundaries on the relationship have been so safe for me as a therapist, have provided so much safety and containment for me. And I think that translates to the client as well. And it allows us to be so present with them because we know it's a fixed amount of time. Um, and then 
I also, of course, want to highlight the working fewer hours a week and making more money, right? Of course, that's going to be burnout. If you're only doing 12, 10, 12, 15 clinical hours a week, and you're making the same amount of money that you made when you were doing 20 plus hours of weekly clients, that is so helpful. You have the amount of money you need to support you being a healthy therapist like and well therapist. You have time for self-care. You have time to be available for the other needs in your life. Um, that's absolutely going to reduce burnout. And you're just holding so much less emotionally. So those are all ways that I really see the intensive model as being so helpful for reducing burnout. And then there are ways that we need to reduce burnout that are outside of how we operate clinically, of course. And I've been thinking a lot as I've been noticing this creeping burnout in myself again recently, what are some of the promises I'm making to myself to reduce the burnout that I'm experiencing? I need to reduce burnout for myself. I need to reduce burnout so that it doesn't affect my family. And I need to reduce burnout so I'm showing up as the best clinician I can for my clients. And so some promises I'm recommitting to, <laughs> saying it on the podcast, and I'm going to check in with you guys and report on how I'm doing. But one day of no clinical work each week, where I see no clients, and I have time to work on other projects, because I have a lot of them, <laughs> or just relax, do some laundry, watch TV and fold laundry, clean up the house a little, go grocery shopping without feeling like I'm, you know, under the gun and got to get home and have a million things on my mind. Um, and at least one full work from home day each week. So if I have clients, seeing them virtually, stacking a lot of my virtual meetings on that day, I do have a handful of hourly clients still, and I would say maybe 70% of those clients are virtual, so stacking them all on that same day so I can work from home. Um, ideally, only going into my office three days a week. I actually really love going to my office, but you know, commuting and rushing out the door and all that stuff. I think a balance for me is great. I think three days a week in the office feels really good. So really committing to that. Prioritizing moving my body four times a week during the work week. Um, that I have been slipping on. I've been on a good week getting in three days and then maybe one day on the weekend. But I feel best when I get outside and move my body. And maybe it's not always outside. But the weather is beautiful now. Fall is like my favorite season in terms of outdoor activities. So getting outside and moving my body when possible, I really want to do that four times a week. Um, I'm not taking any new weekly clients, period. Just no more. <laughs> I don't need more. I'm getting, I have a referral network. I do not need just that one more, you know, $200 a week in my bank account. It's not worth it. Um, and I'm raising my intensive fee to support that. I'm not having trouble getting intensive clients in the door. Part of what that says to me is it's time to raise my fee. So right now, I think you all probably know if you've listened to a lot of the episodes, I charge $250 an hour for my intensive hours. I'm going to raise that to $300 for new intensive clients. So that will give me an extra you know, 200 bucks for each intensive day. And that's going to mean I can probably book one or two fewer intensive days every month. Um, I'm capping my clinical hours at 16 per week. I'd really like to cap it at 12, but that's pretty hard with my current client load, which is part of the issue. 
But 16 hours, no more. That's it. If I've hit 16 hours and I have a client that's trying to schedule, got to bump them for the next week. I do not have time. So what pro... And I'm just getting excited saying these things out loud because I know this is going to help and I can tell how much I need this. So what promises are you making to yourself this fall to reduce the chances of you burning out? The work we do is so hard and it's so important and we cannot run ourselves into the ground. We just cannot. Offering just one more session a week is not actually helping anyone. It's harming us and therefore we're not showing up for the clients that we want to serve to the best of our ability. So if you're experiencing some of these warning signs of burnout, please do not ignore them. Maybe fall is a tough time for you too. Maybe some of my personal anecdotes about October and how it's a tough time of year for me uh, resonated with you. I hope that some of my ideas about how intensive can reduce burnout um, felt supported to you. Please, please, please take care of yourself. The world needs us to take care of ourselves. The world needs us to stay in the field and not burn out. Please, I urge you to think so seriously about this. Uh, I look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for listening to um, my chatting about burnout this week. Um, The topic I'm going to talk about next week is fear of phase four. Why are we afraid to go into phase four, especially early, I think, in our EMDR uh, journeys? But intensives, offering intensives can really help you get over that fear. So I want to talk a bit about that. Look forward to that topic. Um, If you're interested in working with me, you can reach out to me on my website, www.futuretemplateparent.com. I can help you get your intensives program for your practice up and running in just a single day. Um, I also offer consultation for certification. And I also just offer, you know, general one-off consultation about any specialty areas. So those are all the ways you can work with me. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Thanks as always for listening. Thank you for listening to the Future Template Parent Podcast. I hope you've learned something that can help you move from feeling overwhelmed to energized about your practice and your personal life. You don't have to choose one over the other. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and please share it with another EMDR therapist who would benefit from hearing this episode. Each review helps us get the message out about how offering EMDR intensives can liberate your practice. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app so you don't miss a single episode. See you next week.